you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Today's passage is Psalm 150. Let everything praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, Psalm 150 is a psalm about praise. From the very first line, praise the Lord, to the very last line, praise the Lord. In fact, every line is a declaration of praise for God. Uh, They come as statements, commands almost, but also as an invitation, an invitation to see God for who he is and to acclaim him. Uh, And it's for everyone and seemingly everything. Verse 6, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. As one writer puts it, as all breath comes from him, so it should be used for him. I want to suggest today that this psalm tells us several things about praise. First of all, it tells us where we praise God. Verse 1, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Uh, His sanctuary is the temple, the house of God, the place of worship for God's people, the Jews in the Old Testament. Uh, This was the place where God had chosen to meet with his people. And as they did so, the idea was that they would praise him. This was a place for them to focus their minds and their hearts, just as we do when we're gathered in person and even now as we gather online. There's something different about this hour, this day, this place, this Zoom room. This is our place of worship. And yet, of course, God is uh, not just praised in his sanctuary. He's praised beyond that and all around. He's praised in his mighty heavens, we read here. Uh, Now, this phrase, the mighty heavens, could have a couple of meanings, and and both of them pretty cool. Uh, The first is it could be the sky above, the firmament, the stars, the the planets. Uh, Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Everything around us declares God's greatness and, and praises him. But there's also a second possible meaning here. His mighty heavens could be heaven itself the place where God dwells with his angels and saints who praise him continually. If that's the case, then this verse points to the wonderful harmony of praise as heaven and earth join together in praise, in worship, as Derek Kidner puts it. The call is to God's worshippers on earth, meeting at his chosen place, but also to his heavenly host to mingle their praise with ours. Earth and heaven can be utterly at one in this. His glory fills the universe. His praise must do no less. That's actually what happens when we gather to worship. As God's people gather to praise him on earth, the angels of heaven gather to praise him in heaven. It's quite an extraordinary thing. So this psalm shows us where we praise him, but it also says why we praise him. Verse 2, 
praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness. We praise God because of who he is and what he does. We praise him for what he does, his mighty deeds, his mighty deeds in creation, his continual provision for his people, most especially his great work of salvation. Uh, I don't know if you know that song, you probably do, that Paul Kelly song from Little Things, Big Things Grow. It tells the story of Vincent Ngari and the Gurundji people of the Northern Territory who fought for nine years for the right to possess their own land. And it's this dramatic and beautiful song that captures the drama of their story. It's history in a song. And that's really what a lot of the Psalms are like as well. They retell the history of Israel, pointing to God's mighty deeds. Uh, Later on today, take a moment to read Psalm 105. It's a great example of this kind of genre. It it kind of recounts the, the covenant that God made with the patriarchs, their journey to Egypt, their bondage in slavery, and then God's glorious rescue as he brought them up out of Egypt, uh, sending plagues on their captors, then drawing his people out and miraculously providing for them in the wilderness before finally leading them to the promised land. It's telling the story of how God looked after his people. It's celebrating, praising God for his mighty deeds. And these kinds of songs were part of the heritage for God's people. There was something to be passed on from generation to generation, and and perhaps they were written down as songs so that they could be more easily remembered. So Psalm 78 verse 3, we read that things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. They recounted God's mighty deeds and so that they could pass these on from generation to generation. They would always remember what God had done. And as they did this, they were reminded of God's excellent greatness, his character, his goodness, his faithfulness, because God's works reveal himself, reveal who he is and his character. We praise God not just for what he does, but who he is. And so you find this throughout the Psalms as well. They'll often describe God in lots of interesting ways that really prompt us to consider what he is like. Last week, for instance, as we studied Psalm 23, I was really struck by and I meditated for quite some time on the idea of God as a shepherd. It's a really helpful way for us to think about God's character. And I felt the goodness of God leading us through life, guiding guiding us and providing for us and taking me to still waters and green pastures, leading me through the valleys of difficulty and even of death itself. And you see this all through the Psalms. They're constantly offering us different names and descriptions of God, encouraging us to explore every element of who he is and what he's like, to understand his goodness. And so we praise God for lots of reasons, but we praise him for his mighty deeds and we praise him according to his excellent greatness. That's why we praise him. And this psalm also shows us how we praise him. Verse 3, praise him with trumpet sound, praise him with lute and harp, praise him with tambourine and dance, praise him with strings and pipe, praise him with sounding cymbals, praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Now there's a lot of 
instruments right there. And so there's some thought that this points to the various occasions when people would praise God. Uh, Trumpets were blown, for instance, uh, to commence the great Jewish festivals, in particular the start of the Jubilee, this glorious year-long celebration. They would come around once uh, every half century where all the slaves would be free and the debts would be wiped out. And so the trumpet became this sound, this signal of freedom of special joy and celebration of new life and new hope. Uh, The tambourine and dance, meanwhile, was generally brought out after a great victory in battle. So it conjures up this sense of relief, the the relief that peace brings, the end of war brings, a a time when anxieties are stilled and uncertainty is banished. So perhaps that's what the psalmist here is is pointing to, that there's these various seasons of when you'd praise God, or perhaps he just wants people to make a whole lot of noise. I mean, this is a very percussive, a very loud psalm. This is Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins, the one-man band. Like, that's what it feels like to me. Now, we know that Jewish worship was very structured and careful, but I want you to see here that there's this real sense of freedom within that as well. There's something wonderfully exuberant about it. This isn't a nervous, bashful or subtle kind of thing. This is loud with clashing cymbals and blaring trumpets. We're not actually told if this psalm was a psalm of David, but it's certainly the kind of sentiment that he would have gone gone along with uh, no matter what others thought of him. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but there's a story of David dancing before the Lord. Uh, In 2 Samuel, we read this story of how the ark is brought home to Jerusalem and to the temple, uh, to the palace that David set up, and he brings it back there, and, and he rejoices as this happens. But we're told that his wife was watching from the window of, their house and and scorned him. Uh, But David was unapologetic. 2 Samuel 6, verse 16, he says, As the ark of the Lord came to the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. But David says to her in verse 21, It was before the Lord, and and I'll celebrate before the Lord. He had this love, this joy for God that couldn't be contained, couldn't be muted. It had to get out. And so there is a joy that we can find in God that leads to exclamation and praise that has to lead there. We're not too cool for school for this. We're not too dry to express ourselves. We're not too self-conscious to raise our hands in worship. It's not possible if you're overcome by the desire to praise. And so as Derek Kidner puts it, the answer to the question how we worship God is with everything we have. That's how we praise God, with everything that we have. But I think this brings us to the challenge in this psalm as well. You see, sometimes uh, this psalm is easy to sing. There's moments where we love to praise, where it's easy to praise and our praise is instinctive. Uh, like walking through the park near my house uh, on a beautiful crisp morning after it's been raining, I can't help but praise God. Or that moment I remember when when my first son was born, there was a moment where you just can't help but praise. Or the glory of seeing someone get baptised and as they come out of the water, you can't help but praise. Or that thrill of forgiveness as, as you feel God lift the shame off you. These are moments where it's easy to praise. The praise just wells up and flows out of you. It just bursts out. But of course, it's not always like that. We're seven months into lockdown. 
Uh, I spoke to a bloke the other day who was just sad, just tired of it all. It's just so hard. Uh, every Sunday I ride the Sunday cycle, uh, waiting for the Dan Andrews press conference. What new things will we be allowed to do this week? And it's so disheartening when we find out we can't do something more or there's some new restriction. It's hard to ride that. And, of course, these are, those are real consequences for people in people's lives. I spoke to a guy this week who hasn't worked properly since March. Uh, he gets up in the middle of the night sometimes and just kneels beside the bed praying desperately because the anxiety is descending on him. It's not just COVID and it's not just lockdown. I spoke to a bloke the other day whose family has just had the worst couple of years, sickness, financial pressure, frustrations. It's all just been so hard. And then I think of those who are facing uh, an even deeper heartbreak. Back in February, you might remember, uh, Zach and Amber Nelson shared that their daughter, Lara, has a brain tumour. They were told that it was inoperable, that she would die but the doctors couldn't say when. Uh, She underwent some treatment, which perhaps steadied it, but really that could only delay things. It couldn't get rid of it. And recently they've realised and discovered that it's getting a lot worse. She can't really walk. She's in immense pain. It may only be a couple of weeks now. How does Psalm 150 with that how do you praise God when that's looming over you where are God's mighty deeds and his excellent greatness in those moments you see sometimes we just don't feel like praising God and if you're told to praise God you just start to feel terrible When you're feeling low, it can be hard to see other people praise God as well. It's a bit like when you're feeling sick and everyone around you is moving happily and talking loudly, clearly not sick and very healthy and well and energetic. And so it would be easy for us to say that a psalm like this is just for the happy people, for the good times, to write it off perhaps as hopelessly optimistic, an unrealistic Pollyanna view of the world that doesn't do justice to our anxiety or our grief or our frustrations, perhaps even to imagine that God doesn't care about all of the troubling emotions that we have. But I think that's where the context of Psalm 150 is so important. You see, this psalm doesn't just arrive to us alone. It's it's part of a book of psalms. There's 150 psalms. And as we've seen over the last couple of months, they take in the full range of the human experience. There are happy psalms of rejoicing. There's meditative, contemplative songs reflecting on the character of God. There's teaching psalms. There's songs of repentance sung in sackcloth and ashes as God's people feel the weight and the ugliness of their sin. And then there's others, lots of them, songs of lament, songs of mourning sung from the darkest places. So Psalm 150 isn't alone. It's part of this whole this whole book of songs that explore every aspect of the human experience and do justice to it all. There's a psalm for every moment and every experience. The psalms gives us words for whatever and whenever we need to say. 
And yet I don't think that this psalm is just for those who are in the mood to rejoice. I actually think this has something to say even to those who mourn. It tells us where to praise, why we praise, how we praise, but it also tells us how we can praise when it's hard to praise. You see, there's no coincidence, there's no accident that this is the final psalm. We must understand that the book of Psalms ends with, ends with praise. The Psalms have explored guilt and loss and grief and conviction, but they end with praise because the story of the universe ends with praise. Just think about the story of history, of all things. The world was made by God and was perfect and good because God is good. Creation is good because its creator is good. But, of course, sin disrupted all of that and corrupted it. It brought evil into the world and it brought sickness and disease, grief and uncertainty. And if that's all there was, then there would never truly be a reason to praise. There'd be no hope no true joy. There'd be moments of happiness, but they would all be tainted. Everything would be temporary and bound by the realities of life, the sense of doom at the end of it. But thankfully, in Christ, God offers us hope. In Christ, God entered the world to redeem and renew it. In his death, Jesus dealt with our sin And in his resurrection, he dealt with the problem of death and brought in new life. God began a new thing, a new creation. Now, there's still suffering and hardship because the poison of sin and its consequences still snakes its way through our world. But there is hope of a new beginning because we see what happened with Jesus. As 1 Corinthians 15, 55 puts it, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there is hope and not just hope, there can be a certainty. Jesus was killed by sin but rose in triumph over it and his power is now at work in us and in the world around us. Now that doesn't mean we don't mourn now. Just think of Jesus in John 11. Even though he knew that he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead in just a couple of minutes, he still wept because of the tragedy of death. So we should still mourn. But the world doesn't end with mourning. It ends with praise. Death does not and will not have the final word. Christ has risen. He has new life. And so we can have new life and he can transform everything. Romans 8, 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. The Psalms end with praise because the universe is heading towards praise because of Jesus. And that's the picture that we get in Revelation, isn't it? Revelation 21.4, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. All of that stuff will pass away. It's 
It's to be done away with. It's the former things. And a new thing is being created. Because of what Jesus has done, all things will praise him. Revelation 5.11. Then I looked and behold, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honour and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honour and glory and might forever and ever. This world will end in praise and a new world will begin where there is everlasting praise. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you recognising the realities of this world, the horror and the sadness of sin and the grief that it has brought to this world. Lord, in these moments it can be hard to praise you, but we thank you that because of what Jesus has done, this world will not end in mourning but in praise. Help us to trust that, to trust you. Thank you that on the other side of this life, you are waiting. You are waiting to give us a full and a forever life. Lord, today I just want to pray for Zach and Amber and Lara and Asher and Oscar. I pray for that family. I pray, Lord, that you will be with them, that you will shepherd them through every circumstance, that they will know that you are there. This must be a hard time to praise. But thank you that you are the same God yesterday, today and forever. And so we entrust them to you. Lord, help us to be a spiritual family, to love and support them and each one of us. Help us to uh, shine the light and the hope of Christ into every part of our lives and to those around us. Lord, um, thank you that you are in control. May everything that has breath praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.